from MBB Think Radio, this is Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Woods Couture, information technology expert at New Course Deal and IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Phone Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Well, April is Autism Awareness Month, so today we will, we will discuss autism and assistive technology with our special guest, Dr. Rebecca Mulligan, Executive Director of the Jackson Autism Center. You can join our conversation this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This is Everyday Tech, only on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. From MPB Think Radio, this is Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Woods Couture, information technology expert at New Course Deal, an IT instructor at Holmes Community College, and Jeremy Thompson, owner of Computer Doctors and Foam Surgeons in Hattiesburg. Well, April, like I said earlier, is Autism Awareness Month. So today we will talk with... Our wonderful new guest, Dr. Rebecca Mulligan, she's executive director of the Jackson Autism Center, about how technology assists children and adults with autism. Now, you can be a part of this conversation, and or you can ask any general tech question. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Wilton Jeremy. Good morning. Good Jeremy. morning. Hey, there's um, Jeremy. He's hey, there. Jeremy. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you guys? I'm fine. I am fine. Well, we do have a special guest in the studio today. We have company, so we have to act right, guys. <laughs> Behave, Jeremy. Behave. Have, look who's I'll talking. See what I can do. Exactly. <laughs> Let's welcome you to the show. And I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, Good morning. My name is Dr. Rebecca Mulliken, and I am the executive director at Jackson Autism Center. Um, And I'm just really glad to be here today. Well, thank you for coming. And if you missed the topic again, we're talking about how technology assists uh, children with autism. And it really does. We talked off air a little bit. Technology isn't just about what yeah, it's, Angry it's, Birds. It's not just about playing Angry Birds or checking your email. There's so much more that the world of technology has to offer, and it can do so much outside that. I, it, you know, we were talking a lot about how people tend to put everything into a nice little box and try to give it a nice little description. And and the thing is, technology can go wherever our minds can take it, and it can do so much more for everyone. And I think it's just you know a, a great opportunity for us to actually expand on that a little bit today. Well, Dr. Mulligan, how long have you been uh, affiliated with the center? Um, Well, I opened the center in August of 2012, so almost six years now. Um, I started in, uh, actually, in my home um, for the first year and uh, had a therapy room in my home. And after that first year, I was able to get an actual facility. Uh, It has three rooms and an office. Okay. And um, most of what we do is behavioral intervention or academic intervention, one-on-one with kids, mostly with autism, but other disabilities as well. And so what other disabilities do you... um, Um, Well, my background, when I was a special ed teacher, I taught an autism classroom. So I had uh, kids with autism and other related disabilities. And so... 
it really just depends. You know, it doesn't have to be autism, but most of the kids that come do have autism or similar, you know, disabilities. Um, but sometimes I have kids, you know, varying different different disabilities. Okay. And what made you get involved in that uh, specialty? Okay. Well, um, I was always interested in it, and I was a psychology major in college, and I was always interested, like, what is this autism there? You know, you always heard they were inside themselves, and um, but one of my professors in college said, well, you won't probably see very many. She was 15 years into her um, career and had barely seen very many, and then right after that, it was just boom, boom, boom. Mm. But when I graduated... Um, uh, there, UMC was hiring ABA therapists and I went and interviewed there. And I also interviewed at the same time in a school district who was looking for the same thing, but you know, in the school setting. And so that's where I got started. And I, all I knew when I started was literally that I was going to be working with children who have autism and that's all I knew. Wow. So it was a learning <laughs> process for you. Yes, absolutely. And as soon as I started, I had read these Tori Hayden books and absolutely love them, um, where she worked in a special education classroom. And I came home after that first day and I told my husband, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm in a Tori Hayden novel. <laughs> and so I immediately knew like, this is, what I want to do. I love this. Wow. And um, so, for people who don't understand what autism is, can you explain it to uh, our listeners? Sure. Um, so where what you see typically with autism and the word typically just mm-hmm. is not even, we talked about mm-hmm. that earlier, how there's really no typical in autism. It's a spectrum all the way from way, way over here, all the way to over here. But parents will see um, some social differences, which may start as young as around one or maybe even a little bit before that, Um, limited eye contact, or sometimes I even say atypical eye contact. It's not that they don't give eye contact, but it's not what we typically think like we're Mm -hmm. having a conversation and I'm looking at you their con their eye contact may be fleeting or they may look at you when you when they want something but it's just not what you would typically think of um they're not using like they're not pointing by one so all those social things having um back and forth you know I have a 19 month old and watching him he's my second but watching him just he uses a lot more nonverbal communication than my first did Mm because he my first was a lot it talked a lot more and my second one uses a lot of nonverbal communication and I just think about that with the kids I work with that you know you don't really have that where they're not speaking but they're able to say point over here I'm ready to get back in my bed or if I got my hair cut he points up to my hair Mm -hmm. like what's different why'd you do that or (laughs) you know so that that and then also we see communication issues with kids with autism and then sometimes you'll see sensory related issues all right so it's like you said it's we talked about earlier there's no definite uh this is what you will see this is what you won't see it's totally different and every scenario is uh different for each family. Exactly. Exactly. So we're glad you're in that field to help these parents get through, you know, get and let the child be as successful as they can be. And that's what the whole point is. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, I used to have a parent who called me the drill sergeant (laughs) because I was very stern and strict but it was because I wanted their child to do as much as they could independently. And this goes right back into the technology, right. how technology can help them. And this is um, why you're here today. We're going to talk about how technology 
uh, assist children with autism. So we're going to start with SGD. What What is a SGD? An SGD is a speech generating device. And so um, my dissertation was actually uh, I interviewed parents who had a child um, with autism mm-hmm. who had been using technology for a year or longer, um, a specific speech generating device. And what I see a lot of times is, and research shows that um, sometimes parents are scared to let a child use a device instead of speaking because they're afraid, well, they won't speak if I let them touch this instead of talking. Um, And so, but research has shown that's not true at all. In fact, it can help them learn speech just because of, and I can go into some of those Mm -hmm. specific details. Um, I wrote them down just in case (laughs) I forgot, but... Um, because a speech generating device, and I brought just one that's on my iPad, okay. um, but because um, when they touch it and it says something, it says it the exact same way every single time, that can be helpful for kids with autism because there's no tone to learn. You know, when you say, um, surprise, or, you know, if you say a certain word and you say it, with different tones, it means different things. Mm-hmm. But when the device says it, it always says it the exact same way. And so that can actually be helpful for kids to learn, you know, how to speak if they're not speaking. Um, so I, and I've actually, actually been able to see that with kids who are not speaking at first. We introduce a device and they start talking. You know, they're, they're finally, they're able to put that together that, oh, when I push this and it says go, then you make the car go really fast, and that's pretty cool. Okay. And so then so I, when I push I, it again, mm-hmm. you know, then she'll, when that says go the exact same way and the same motor planning, they'll go again, and that's pretty cool. And then, you know, sometimes you'll see that they do start to talk, and even if they don't, you know, they have a way to communicate, which is number one. Jeremy, you had a question? Yeah, uh, so when you, uh, like you were saying, you push go, um, does a does a video pop up to show them a car moving, or like is it just a picture of a car on the app? Because I'm kind of looking at like a picture of one of these now, yeah. and it's just a tablet with words on it. So uh, does it does it just say go, and then that's it, or does it like have an animation that goes along with it? How does it how does it work? Typically, it's just a picture, and it depends on which specific program or which, you know, if you're using high-tech or low-tech. Um, the one that I have with me today has a picture of a stoplight, and it's the, the green part is um, at the bottom is, you know, is green, and then there's a frog, and so he's getting, he's hopping. And so when they touch that, I don't know if we'll be able to hear it on here. Uh, let me turn it up. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, And these devices are just for autistic kids, right? Well, yes, yes. And actually, now that they're on iPads, it it opens it up to so many more people. You know, before, devices were four, eight, twelve thousand dollars and you had to go through this huge process and it was months and months. And now you can go online. You know, this app right here is three hundred dollars and it's almost everything they would want to say, you know, through adulthood. Wow. So and there's different varying oh. apps, you know, simpler apps or cheaper apps, etc. Yeah. 
Uh, so did the apps allow you to uh, change the voices and such? Like if, if perchance like a child didn't like the way a voice sound, are you able to pick a different one? Yes. I think with this particular app, it's a little bit more limited than if you have the actual, you know, $8,000, $12,000 device. But um, you can definitely go in and change the voice. You can make it louder. Um, you can make it go a little bit slower, like not say go really fast, you know, go, okay. you know, there's lots of things like that that you can do to change it. And if I may, what, what makes something like this cost $12,000? Because looking at it, I mean, it's, it's just a, a, an app with buttons that you press. Like why would it cost so much? Well, before they moved it over to the, um, to the iPad, um, it was basically an encased device. Um, I can't answer that question. I don't know why. I think that okay. they should be cheaper so that everybody can have access. Right. Because that's, that's what I'm sitting here looking at. I'm looking yeah. at the cost of this thing, and it's it's an app with with on-screen buttons. I feel like I could program this thing in a in a day or two. Like, yeah. Uh, well, this this one what is makes all, it so special. Right. Right. Well, the ones on that are like I said, the, the iPad app is not twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It's like three hundred for this specific one. But there's varying ones. But there is also my husband sh- uh, showed me one recently that's on the computer that a couple of web developers and a speech pathologist have worked on together that is free. So ah. there's varying things out there. Yeah. Well, it, and I guess just just like, you know, children or adults with autism, it's just like there's varying degrees of what right. they require. There's probably a different tool depending on what that child or adult actually required. It may be a little bit more geared toward what they need. Versus, right. versus that whole one-size-fits-all kind of approach. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to look at, like, the necessity in, in this device versus that one and, you know, why especially our listeners would want to opt for something that, that costs that. Because even 300 sounds like a lot for looking at what this app does. Well, I, I feel like it just seems exorbitant. Well, and it, it does. There's research behind that specific app. Um, uh-huh. and now, and now that, you know, it's out there and we know a lot more, I think that, you know, as we continue to move forward, it's going to be able to be more accessible for more people. And yeah, right. exactly, right. exactly and, and, what you're saying. And did you have the name of the one that's open source, um, that's on the computer that your husband found? Um, I can, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we'll get back. We'll come back. We'll go to a break and come back and maybe she'll have the name of that one that's open source. And we'll continue our conversation on autism and assistive technology with our special guest, Dr. Rebecca Mulligan. All right. Now, if you'd like to join our conversation, ask Dr. Mulligan a question or our, our experts today, any general tech question, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or, of course, you can email the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Our experts are standing by, ready to help. This is Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. 
You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with our tech experts, Wilt Couture and Jeremy Thompson. And today we're talking with Dr. Rebecca Mulligan, Executive Director of the Jackson Autism Center, about how autism assists children every day. And adults ex- well, right? Yes. And yes. not just children. All Let's right. not forget the old folks. <laughs> well, like it goes on from youth, uh, youth till adulthood, right? Okay. Well, you can join our conversation this morning. You can ask any general tech question or you can ask an autism question with our doctor. Um, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Now, before the break, um, Jeremy asked a good question. What was that question, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, the uh, the open source app that you mentioned that was free for uh, speech generation. What was that called? Well, I'm waiting for him to reply. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we wait for her husband to reply to that question, let's talk about um, PRCs. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that word. <laughs> okay, so that's that's where we get into the old devices, and they are still available. Um, how uh, Jeremy was talking about. Um, why do they cost so much, et cetera? Um, PRC is a company that has provided um, augmentative communication and speech generating devices for kids with disabilities and adults with disabilities for, I mean, decades at this point. And so that's the reason um, behind, um, you know, before iPads were able to have these speech generating devices, you know, a child had to go through this whole process to be able to get one of these devices to help them communicate. So right, PRC it, is one of those companies. And, the, and it had, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I, it had a special, uh, like, big battery on it and all kinds of stuff. It was <laughs> right, <very> right. <laughs> I, I understand the expense now. So that was the old cost. The new cost yeah. was more like 300 bucks. Yeah, plus an iPad, of course. Okay, yeah. right, yeah. right. Okay, so let's say 700 with the iPad and the app and everything if you buy the cheap one. <laughs> so, so we were talking about lo- there's a difference between low technology and high technology. Yes, absolutely. So sometimes when we start out with kids, there's not necessarily even um, – we don't necessarily need to start out with even with an iPad. Um, some kids aren't ready for an iPad or won't attend to an iPad, and so there's low technology available, um, you know, little buttons that – you know, I've I've told clients, you know, you can go on Amazon and buy six buttons that you can record yourself for thirty bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that they can learn the same thing. You can put go on one and eat on the other and drink on the other, whatever the main things are that that child might want to communicate. Or maybe so, things like not feeling well. Yeah. Or, or um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty th- cool. Yeah, things like that. that. So, so that's some of the low tech that is available, and there's a variety of other things. But sometimes iPads, um, you know, you will have some children that aren't really ready for that, or won't attend to it, won't look at it. You know, they're just not interested or ready for that. And so, some low tech de- devices are good for that. You had a story uh, to share. Didn't oh you? <laughs> yes, yes. So this app I brought with me today, um, last week actually. This little guy I've been working with for a couple of years, um, his mom was the one who asked me about using this app for him, and he is verbal, but, um, okay, he 
Oh, he sent me a link, so I'll look at that in a minute. Uh, So he is verbal, but his mom wanted to use it to try to help him to start to make sentences, to speak more in sentences. And so we've used it a lot at the table, you know, to when he's writing, to make sure and use every word, like the word is or the. And we hadn't used it in a while. And last week, um, we've used it maybe the past two weeks or so. And last week, I didn't just immediately get it out after we read our story. And um, he was like, I need my words <laughs> get the ipad for the words <laughs> that's a nice sentence and, <laughs> yeah get the ipad for the words yeah and it may not have been exactly yeah. you know those right. exact words but mm-hmm. he was he you know he was letting me know he wanted to use the ipad and mm-hmm. we would type the sentence out mm-hmm. and then he would write it and so it also made him want to write more when he got to oh. use the iPad to type out his sentence and then write it out on his page. We're going to get to our question in just a minute. Uh, Jim, if you hold on one second, I do have a question. What did we do before technology? Um, I'm here. I'm hearing a lot of stories, not just today, but uh, from different people throughout my life that says how much technology has played a part in their child when they have autism. So what did we do before technology? Well, before technology, um, a lot of times people were using just pictures. Um, and, and pictures are still used also, like mm-hmm. the picture exchange communication system, where the child can get a picture and take it to their parents to say, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost like flashcards, I'm, I'm, I'm right, imagining, right. If I'm kind of imagining it there. A picture of Cheetos or a cookie, okay. you know, so they can say, or even like, like you said earlier, if I'm hurt, you know, there might be a card for hurt. Um, a lot of times we'll start with more basic needs or wants or things that the child really, really wants. So they're very motivated to communicate that. And so they would be like maybe on a specific at a specific place in the house and they would have to go get that picture and take it to their parents to let them know, oh, I want to play with the koosh ball, Um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, individuals with disabilities were not afforded the right to have access even to technology for a long time because they had to prove that they had the cognitive ability to be able to use it. Um, And, of course, I don't stand behind that at all. Um, When I was doing my dissertation, the participation model shows that we shouldn't wait for them to show that they have the cognitive ability. That is part of the problem Mm -hmm. is that they can't get it out. They can't show what's up there because they don't speak. I had a kid, oh, my gosh, this is one of my favorite stories. This little guy, one of my first years teaching, five years old in kindergarten, wasn't talking, just babbling, that sort of thing. Um, and But I could tell immediately that he, you know, was very smart and he could read, but he couldn't talk. And mm-hmm. so I used a speech-generating device with him so we could do our reading. And he would um, – it was a specific program, but basically, like, right here on this page, it says street. So sometimes, you know, there would be lots of words, and you would have – I would say, okay, point to street, and he would point to it. Wow. Um, and then he would use the device to say the word. And so he was able to show and he would do sentences and everything like that, you know, to be able to show that he could read. That is wonderful. You know, technology yeah. has um, done a lot for um, the um Success of kids with, uh, right. I don't like to say disabilities because I mean, I just don't like to say that they're disabled or anyway, they're just different. Differently able. Different, differently able. I like that. Yeah. We're going to go to Jim now from Jackson. He has a tech question. Good morning, Jim. You're on the air. Good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, my iPhone keeps sending me a message recently saying that my storage is just about full and I've reached my capacity. Uh, what ways can I have to deal with that? Is there a way I can increase the capacity of my iPhone? Well, well oh, go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> no, man, take it. Oh, I was going to say, uh, pretty much with your iPhone, the amount of capacity that's in it is about all it can have. So the best thing you can do, sometimes, usually what fills a lot of that up is a lot of pictures or videos. So really offloading them and backing them up to your computer can help. But unfortunately, with the iPhone, you cannot add storage. The only way you get a bigger iPhone, and I think uh, poor Michelle ran into this at one point, <laughs> is you have to buy one with bigger storage. That's, that's a terrible answer to give. But Jim, I have another better uh, better way to do it. Wait till the um, Apple Fairy comes in your room and turns off your phone, and you have no choice. That's what I. That's what happened to me. Yeah, so, hers, uh, hers totally died. She really had no choice. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, as far as for the storage space on the phone, your your best bet is to try to offload if you can. If you have maybe some uh, pictures or videos that you've been saving on there, bring them to your computer to free it on up. And other than that, it's kind of uh, yeah, you, you have where it's at, and it doesn't let you go too far from there. And is that notification coming from uh, the iPhone itself, or is it from your iCloud storage? Because if your iCloud storage is full, you could just either buy a little more or delete some old stuff. Uh, this is coming from my phone itself. Specifically the phone. Okay, all right. Now, there is also the possibility. I've seen this happen. I don't know why it does, but it does. Uh, your phone may have just a lot of t uh, used-up space on it that's actually – or it claims it's used. But if you would go and look at your actual items on your phone, you don't have that much. Um, what I've had to do is back up the phone and then restore it. Somehow it just remembers it's got all that available memory. But I've had to do that several times in order to get the iPhone to recognize the memory. So you may want to go that route as well. All right, Jim, are you still with us? Yes. All right. Did, did that help a little bit? It did. Uh, I also see that some of my apps take up a lot of capacity, too, and I'm considering deleting some of my apps. Try try deleting the apps first. Just go minimal. And then if you're not seeing that it's freeing up very much space at all, you might want to look at backing it all up and restoring it. All right, Jim. Well, Thank you. Yeah, all right. Thank you for calling in. We hope that helps your problem. I feel your pain, though, Jim. <laughs> it happened to me. We're going to take another quick break, and when we return, actually, Jeremy, uh, Dr. Mulligan has that answer for you, and we'll talk Ooh. about <laughs> we'll talk about a uh, lamp language language acquisition through motor planning. Wow, big words today. Big words. <laughs> You're listening to MPB Think Radio. We're talking about assistive technology for autism. Now, phone lines are open, so give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464 or online at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Everyday Tech only on MPB Think Radio. <laughs> Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. 
You're listening to Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with our technology experts, Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson. And if you're just tuning in today, we've been discussing autism and assistive technology with our special guest, Dr. Rebecca Mulligan. She is the director of the Jackson Autism Center here, of course, in Jackson. Now, if you would like to ask Dr. Mulligan a question or any general tech question for our tech experts, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Or you can on- email the show at uh, mpbonline.org. That's Everyday Tech at mpbonline.org. Now, before the break, Jeremy asked you a question. Now, Jeremy, what was the question again? Then we'll ask Dr. Mulliken to give us the answer. Uh, we were looking for the name of the open source software for speech generation. Okay, so the name is Seaboard, C-B-O-A-R-D, and the website is just seaboard.io. And like I said, this I am very, very new to this. Like maybe two weeks ago, I saw it for the first time, and I think a couple web developers and a speech pathologist um, – have developed this together. Of course, there's lots of, even in just the few minutes I played with it, there's lots of uh, things that need to be worked on still. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think that's that's the case with a lot of technology, though, and I think that's what makes things such as open source so um, so much, gives it so much potential. And for those who don't know what open source is, what open source basically means is, is generally someone has developed a program, an application, um, et cetera, and then they open it on up because what they're really looking for is not only getting it out there for people to be able to use, but by getting you know getting it in front of someone such as uh, as you, that they can actually see and say, oh, you know what, this is great. But in my experience, this has really yeah. helped. So you can really start growing, and you almost get that that crowdsourcing kind of exactly. kind of thing going on because so many times, and we've said this a couple of times already, but. You can't think of it as just one way, and I think the more you get it out there for people's experiences and the more that technology can be developed, and you see that with the iPhones, you see that with the Android where they have the application development kits to where you can get doctors and pathologists and folks together to sit there and say, hey, you know, this is what will work for my patients. So these are, in my experience, is what I've needed. Yeah. And that's just going to make it so powerful. And I just want to say that open source, uh, you mentioned Android and uh, iOS, they're both built on open source software. They're built on Linux. So exactly. Open source is a huge development. But, uh, yeah, I was just playing with uh, Seaboard here. I just pulled it up. And I think this is neat because if you needed to quickly access something like this, you can just go to app.seaboard.io and you can go right in. Like it, it does ask you to, to log in or sign in, but it actually gives you the option to skip that if you just quickly needed to get to a communications board. So this is really neat. Yeah, yeah. The thing that um, I'd like to see um, some changes with, and it kind of goes into talking about the LAMP app that uh, we were looking at earlier, is that a lot of the communication that is on Seaboard is uh, full sentences. And so I I like to see less of that because I don't think that you can guess what someone's going to want to say or how they're going to want to say it. If you right. give them full sentences, then you're taking away... Um, their 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the fact that they can put words together in their own way for different meanings. And so that's the right. thing that their I want to see. Yes. Maybe. Yes. And I was going to ask you, um, what's one of the most interesting stories or the most successful story you've seen maybe in a short period of time, changes with technology or anything like that? Oh, I mean, I, a couple of years ago, I worked with a little boy who came in and uh, maybe two or th- he had two or three words and literally within probably a month, maybe less of starting to use the lamp app with him. He was talking, I mean, wow. just like that and just a complete turnaround. So, I mean, it does happen. It does. It's amazing well, when I you guess get to see that. I yeah. guess it's just a matter of getting that, that right tool, that item that that child needs to be successful. I mean, we all need something and we all need something maybe just a little bit different, but getting them that right tool that fits them and then being able to adapt it to what, you know. Yeah. And sometimes what comes along with that is, you know, and I, like we said, we hate the word typical, mm-hmm. but typical children just develop that language. You don't have to sit down and train them to ask for what they want mm-hmm. or to ask for their mama um, or to ask for drink or s- stuff like that. They just do that naturally. But children with autism a lot of times need very specific training to learn how to communicate. And so when you put that specific training with technology, I mean, you just boom, boom, boom. Oh, okay. So when I hit this, you know, and when you have somebody that knows how to do that and how to, you know, I tell parents all the time, especially when they first come in and they don't have a child who's talking, you know, are you putting things out of reach? Mm -hmm. You know, put things they really, really want way up high. And so be, it forces them be to be right there. Mm-hmm. So they have to communicate with you. They have to either take your hand and, and throw it up there mm-hmm. or they have to look at you or they have to let you know somehow I want that and block if they like to climb, if they would rather just climb up than ask for help, then block them from climbing. I mean, so some of those simple things along with technology can help, you know, really help uh, push that forward, that communication. And it's mm-hmm. a learning process for all parties involved. Yes. Parents that have, the, you know, your child is born, and I have a 14-year-old daughter, and I was listening to the things that you've been saying. I mean, the things that you're t- teaching the parents, we need, we need to do that with our kids every day. I mean, just letting them expand their vocabulary. Yesterday, Dr. Buttress, uh, Java, gave some, um, a was it a uh, statistic research about uh, the levels of poverty and how many words a child hears? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a, the yeah. word gap, and and that's that's Absolutely. real. It is, and not just with autistic <laughs> kids. I mean, with any family, the more words you say to your children, the more communication, uh, the more social interaction they have, the better they will be in you know in the world, successful. And that's and this is kind of jumping ship, but that is why the Dolly Parton Imagination Library is so amazing because it is bringing books into into households that may not be getting new books and they are, you know, they have access to new vocabulary. That's how kids learn and get new vocabulary. And that's something that I really try to push with the kids I work with is because, you know, you may not see as much reading going on or as they get older, there's some difficulties with reading comprehension Mm -hmm. because, you know, they can read the words, but then there's the comprehension part, which is part of a language, you know, is where they kind of have some of that trouble 
And so just reading, reading, reading mm-hmm. is another thing that's just great. Right. And so today we're discussing autism and assistive technology with our special guest, Dr. Rebecca Mulligan. We encourage your calls today. You can give us a call about any technology that assists with autism or any other disability. You can give us a call or you can give us a call about any general tech question. We have Jeremy and Wilts, of course, standing by for your general tech question. We're standing by and, and fascinated at the same time. I just I, I really think this is really a... Uh just a a cool broadening of the horizon of technology. And I guess one thing that really probably plays really well with this as well, you know, you, you mentioned a lot about um, being able to help formulate sentences and doing these things. And I guess really the, the consistency we see with technology probably helps as well. You know, if you were sitting there saying right. something and if you're consistently hearing it the same way, if you're consistently taking this action and then this happens, I mean, does that, I guess, plays a pretty big role in, in as far as for helping the children learn and to adapt and to... Like patterns, right? Patterns. Right, patterns. exactly. And that, that made me think of something else that's uh, a little bit different, but I'll, I'll save it for... No, we can go into video modeling. It's, um, well, no, it's mm-hmm. an iPad app. When you just started talking about consistency and, you know, a lot of kids with autism, um, their play is, uh, is affected. Mm-hmm. And so there's this awesome app that I use with some of the kids um, that they really like um, that helps add some of that play and imaginative play that some of them don't have. It's a Toy Story app, and Disney has a couple of different ones with princesses, but it follows a specific pattern, but it also allows for individuality, and you actually record. So one person gets to be Buzz, and the other person might be the bad guy, and then here comes a storm, or you get to pick, you know, do you want a storm or do you want... Um, I'm trying to think what else is on there. Um, here comes a storm or here comes a comet or, you know, different right. things. Okay. Well then how does Buzz feel about this? And then you act it out and you get to record yourself. So at the end you have this little two minute story, story that you that, created. Yeah. That created. That you, yeah. That we created together and they That's just, neat. it's fascinating, but also gives that repeatability where you can do it over and over and it never is exactly the same. See, I remember that as a as a kid, and I cannot remember the line. It was a um, oh, it was a line of books, but it was one yeah. of those. It was that kind of, same kind of thing. You get adventure. to a point, choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah. You would, and and depending <laughs> on what your choice was, you know, so you weren't reading the book just like normal. You were actually you could read the same book over mm-hmm. and over, but it could be a different adventure every time. And I just I loved those. Well, you guys remember when we used to go to camp when we were younger, and you sit around the campfire, and everyone adds you just add the story, right. add to the yep. story. So you sit in the circle. And it gets you those creative juices um, going, those imaginative yeah. uh, thoughts in your brain. And you say you start here and then the next person picks up and you just have a big story at the end. But that's that development is very important, not yeah. just for autistic children, children across the board. Yeah. Because nowadays, <laughs> as a parent of a teenager, uh, <laughs> technology is what they love. They love their phones. They love their iPads and they, they're glued to it. So. Uh, you know, some people beg to differ. What is too much? Uh, should they have regular social interactions with your family and friends without the use of technology? So let's talk about that a little bit when we come back from break. Uh, if a parent says, well, I don't want my child on the iPad all the time. I want them to learn how to interact with socially with humans. <laughs> so let's talk about that okay. when we get back from break. 
And again, if you have any questions for Dr. Mulligan or Wilton Jeremy, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. This is Everyday Tech, only on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo for Southern Remedy. Each Wednesday, we answer your calls on health issues of interest to you. They range from medical questions on kids, young adults, baby boomers, and seniors. Whatever you need to know. Join me for Southern Remedy this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Everyday Tech on MVP Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyday Tech. I'm Michelle McAdoo here today with Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson, our technology experts. Well, today we've had an interesting conversation discussing autism and assistive technology with our special guest, Dr. Rebecca Mulligan. Now, we still have open phone lines, so there's time for you to get your question answered. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. Now, off air, we were talking, and before the break, I did pose the question. I'm sure I'm surprised the phone lines didn't <laughs> light up when I uh, put this out there, but what is too much? I know... Um, one of my coworkers and I were just talking yesterday, I believe, saying that they took their iPad from their son just to give him a break. He, he needs a break. He needs to uh, interact with humans, you know, every day. My, my child, 14, when I pick her up, she's on the phone. She's looking at this. And I'm like, Jordan, how was your, oh, I said her name. Well, how was your day at school? And I have to take it away from her just for her to interact with me. Well, you know, and, and I heard, you know, like we were saying before, like with the, um, with the program, like helping with the speech and everything else, but but the other thing that I really I I, um, I noticed as you've been talking with us today as well is talking about putting some of those physical barriers in place, and it's like okay, you know, we had this tool, but you, you t- it seems you're you're very much into that that balance aspect of, you know, yes, this is a great tool for them to be able to adapt and to help them and to help them to grow, but it it sounds a lot like we also need to be looking at that growth as well, making sure that, hey, you're actually speaking and coming to me and and doing some things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we do, um, sometimes parents come to me and they're just, you know, all, you know, they, they're worried that their child, you know, spending too much time in their iPad or watching too many YouTube videos or, um, 
that sort of thing. And so definitely finding a balance, you know, like, like you said, just in life, you know, even with us, you know, how much time should you be spending on Facebook every day and that sort of thing. So that's definitely been something that I've seen, you know, it is so great. It's such a wonderful tool, but at the same time, you know, if all they're doing um, is wanting to come home and just play on their iPad and be um, by themselves, then you're not building that right, social, uh, right. Uh, that social awkwardness that a lot of people associate with autism. To me, it may reinforce it a little bit if they only interact with the iPad. They don't interact with other people, yeah. and they talk to the iPad and things like that. So, how do you again? How do you? I think you said it earlier, but what are some steps that you tell parents to take when they see that happening? Uh, well, it's it's very specific to the child. Um, you know, as far as you know, should you just take it away altogether? Some parents just choose to take it away altogether for a certain, you know, have a little iPad break for several days or for a week. And sometimes they see increases in interactions when they do that. Because if they, sometimes if if it continues to be right there with them, then their child may have bigger meltdowns when they're constantly taking it away. Mm-hmm. So it's very specific to the child. Can the child, um, you know, sometimes I tell parents like set a timer. Okay. You can play on it for 30 minutes when the timer rings, it's all done. We're putting it up. And I, need, um, <laughs> I need to do that now for my 14 year old. Yeah. I do right. agree with that. Um, setting uh, Wilton Jeremy talk about that a lot on the show with technology, setting limits, right? I know she's 14 and she's in eighth grade about to go to high school. So in her mind, I don't know why, but she thinks she's an adult now. So I make my own decisions. You can't tell me it's time to go to bed. You can't tell me uh, it's time to take my phone away. But I, for some reason, I'm like, you're not, you're 14. And at nine o'clock, it's time to put all the electronics up. It's time to get ready yeah. for tomorrow. But I think also going back in, in, probably dealing with um with autism though whatever it was that you were to do on that i, I guess it's going to also benefit a lot from a consistency as well you can't it's not not probably all that far different from how we you know maybe need to manage our non-artistic autistic children mm-hmm. as well and that is there's got to be some kind of some consistency in what you're doing if you're going to sit there you know for example we had the expectation when we eat dinner at night there is no phones involved mm-hmm. right um kind of like you were saying maybe to prevent some of those meltdowns and some other things if they can learn there's a consistency and i'm not going to have the time, it at this I, time right. mm-hmm. um i can count on if i set like a timer let's just say i'm easter egging this a 30 minute you know outage Mm -hmm. if they know they can count on that right they can probably deal with that a lot right Right. and then this is these are times that we are not going to have it and it's not going to be available um and they'll get used to that time we're gonna uh we have our call from brandon allen's on the phone hey allen good morning allen hey uh michelle wilson jeremy how you doing doing great wonderful doing great and i I, and and guest i can't remember the the, the guest dr mulligan (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Mulligan, yeah, I just have a comment in in general about uh, assistive technology, not, not not autism related, but I got to say I'm, I'm visually impaired, and uh, my, my iPhone is a godsend. I got to tell you, because it's got uh, a screen reader built into it. You know, you, you would think, okay, you got a touch screen. How can somebody that can't see use something like that? But uh, uh, you know, Apple Apple was smart the way they designed it. They they uh, they built the screen reader into it, and there's all kind of apps that uh, even if you can't see, you, you can do a whole lot of stuff with your phone. There's there's something that Microsoft put out called Seeing AI, 
that you can hold over uh, uh, like mail and stuff, and it, it'll read the it'll read the print off the mail to you and stuff. So uh, uh, there, it, it's just amazing that we've got so much power that we can carry around in our hands uh, to help us do stuff. And uh, and if you've got dyslexia, there's an app called Voice Dream Reader that uh, you know it, it'll it'll you know it, it'll read to you, but while at the same time displaying the words on the screen. I think uh, folks with dyslexia that's helpful to them. So. But those are just a couple of examples. It's just, uh, uh, it, you know, the, the knowledge base is just expanding geomet- geometrically with what we can do with this stuff. And it's like you say, when you got crowdsourcing, you got people uh, all pitching in and, 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 and using their collective minds, uh, uh, you know, the, there's no stopping us. Exactly. And, and Alan, you made a great point. That is why we started this series, Assistive Technology Series. We're going to do hearing and vision and all of the um, in, you know assistive technology types because technology has just made it possible for people who uh, normally or back in, we say back yeah. in the day, could not perform that particular task, it made it possible for them to uh, function normally in well, the it, world. It becomes it. the everyday of tech. I mean, the everyday, the reality is that we, you know, um, it impacts us every day. Well, I just wanted to say it was ironic earlier you guys were talking about discipline with technology use, and I've still just been over here playing with Seaboard because it's, it's really neat, you know, <laughs> just being able to string things together. And the first sentence that I put together with it was, I want to play computer games today, tomorrow, this week, next week, and next month. <laughs> So you see how addictive it can be, huh? That's right. <laughs> Already. So, um, Dr. Al Mulligan, any last words or anything you else you want to, would like to talk about? We have uh, actually two minutes. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Told and you it was going to go fast. we'll be having her back yeah. again. Definitely. Yes, yes. Um, well, goodness. Well, we were talking <laughs> about um, is too much too much. When is too much too much? You did uh, talk about a balance in your life uh, lifestyle with your child. Uh, have a particular time that you can set aside. Well, this is no technology time. You interact right. with your family and your sisters and brothers and things like that. That consistency is important. Yeah. Uh, and oh well, I was just gonna say, but also um, spending some of that if they're playing on the iPad, go up and play with them. You know, try to have that time together, um, even if they're not. Um, you know, talking back. You know, say, oh, Mr. Potato Head, that's one of. The kids I work with, that is one of their absolute favorite apps. Oh, just talk to them about it. You know, you never know what's getting in and what they might talk to you about later. And also, talk about what's on the horizon for uh, technology in the next couple of years for uh, autism. Or would you like, or that you would would like like? to see. You were saying something off when you got here about something that's coming. um, Oh, oh, mm -hmm. yes. Um, Well, specifically with kids with Rett syndrome, um, there's technology out there for eye gaze so that they can use devices um, to, you know, they can use their eyes to, to speak. Um, And I'm just so excited to see how this progresses. I know like Google had made, I want to say like some glasses or yeah, something glasses. several years ago that the uh, kids, you know, kids with disabilities could use. But um, I'm looking forward to when that's going to be available on the iPad, you know, when it's more accessible for everybody. So give everyone your website and where they can, okay. if they're looking to uh, use your services or they need to ask you questions. Sure, sure. Jackson Autism Center. 
Um, Okay. Thank you again, Dr. Mulligan. We've been talking with Dr. Rebecca Mulligan, Executive Director of the Jackson Autism Center today. And thank you for joining us, Dr. Mulligan. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And we learned so much today. Jeremy and uh, Wilts are in awe of what they learned. If you missed any of the program or want to hear past episodes, you can listen on our website at mpbonline.org or subscribe to our podcast. Java Chapman was our board operator and partially phone screener and Liz Gill uh, was our phone screener um, at the last minute. Thank you so much, Liz. I'm Michelle McAdoo. Um, and for Wilton Jeremy, this has been Everyday Tech. Tune in for Southern Remedy and join us next week at 10 for more Everyday Tech only on MPB Think Radio.